Praise the Lord. We're going to continue on our series entitled Overcoming Principalities. Amen. Overcoming Principalities. And our text scripture is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. And it reads, Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the world's rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, take to yourselves the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Therefore, stand, having your loins girded about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith with which you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching to this very thing with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we give you the praise, honor, and glory for everything you're doing in our lives. And Father, as we study the subject of overcoming principalities, we praise and thank you, Father, that regardless of whether it's something that we struggle with, something that's a stronghold in our life, something that we're currently under the influence of, whether it's in our own personal life or in the people surrounding us, or something that we discern as we view, witness, or interact with the lives of other people. We praise you, Father, that you give us a mind, a heart, and a spirit to discern these things and show us, according to your word, how to overcome these principalities as they attempt to engage us in battle. We thank you, Father, that even as your word says, we will put on the whole armor of God, that we will be fully equipped, mind, body, and spirit, to not only engage the enemy, Father, but able to walk in victory according to your word. And we just give you the glory, the honor, and praise, Father, for these things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Um, as I said, we're talking about overcoming principalities. And, let, and the key word that we're focusing on in this series is the word principalities. And the word principalities in the underlying Greek means chief in order, time, place, or rank. Also is referred to as a magistrate. Uh, amen. So basically, in God's governmental structure, as well as in the structure of the enemy's kingdom, which is only a, a counterfeit of what God had originally put in place, God had a system, amen, where the Godhead was at the top. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Then he had the chief archangels, amen, Michael and Gabriel and Lucifer, you know, the, the moron who rebelled against God and found out that he's a loser, amen, but he was a high-ranking one of the top three archangels in the kingdom of God, amen? And he fell, but even though he fell, he still kept the system of organizational structure. And as we deal with these principalities, as I shared last week, principalities are the sort of things that try to thwart you spiritually. And it doesn't matter whether you're in the eastern United States, whether you're in, you know, the, the southern, southwest part of the United States. It doesn't matter whether you're in the United States, Canada, uh, China, Nigeria, wherever you go, you will find these principalities present trying to thwart and, under, and undermine mankind. Amen? And you'll also see 
some of the things that manifest as a result of these things. And a lot of times, if you fall and pray to them or seeing somebody else fall prey to these principalities, you'll see some of the ripple effect that some of these principalities have in the lives of individuals. And as I shared also last week, the principalities may operate individually or they may work in tandem with each other. Amen? So there might be times where you're praying or you're interacting with somebody like, oh, I sense a spirit of disobedience, but... Man, I could swear they're lying. No, it couldn't be that. There's only one. No, they could both be in operation. There could be multiple ones in operation. Amen? So, um, Kelly, if you could show the chart again real quick on the next slide. Uh, it might be kind of hard to see here, but um, I'm basically going to cover 13 in this series, and it actually goes, we're going in inverts, inverse order. We're going from number 13, which is disobedience, in reverse, up the chart to the highest level one that can thwart mankind, which is, you know, the principality of death, which is just like, I'm going to snuff you out. Amen? However, even though we're going in an inverse order, don't think that any of these are lesser in terms of how they can impact your life. You can die over disobedience. Don't do drugs. You do drugs, OD, spirit of disobedience, has a conversation with the spirit of death, took you out. Or your flesh took you out. Your decisions take you out. So anyway, we're going in reverse order. Last week, we dealt with the spirit of disobedience, which basically influences man to disobey God. And a lot of times, you may even know that the reasoning that is instructing you not to disobey God is correct, but yet that inward desire to do things your way or to do what you think it takes to pursue your goals or your lusts impels you to go and do it anyway. And sometimes you may think that you won or you achieved, but at the end of the day, disobedience against God, there is no winning endgame. There is no championship trophy. As we saw with Nimrod last week, he built the Tower of Babel. He built up cities such as Nineveh, but the end result of everything he built was void and destroyed. Amen? Hallelujah. Now this week we're going to continue on and we're looking at the principality of lying. Principality of lying. I'm sure none of us have ever seen anybody lie. <laughs> She's like, why are we even covering this? You know, like, come on, seriously? Lying? In this day and age, of course people know that they need to be honest Abe and only tell the truth. And they cannot be like, you know, the, the cowboy against the Indian where the Indian said they speak with forked tongue. You know, people don't obviously do that. Unfortunately, that is in an alternate universe. People lie all the time. And the principality of lying causes or influencing, influences people to believe in or speak with deception. Once again, it causes them to either believe in or speak with deception. So in other words, it's not just an issue of you yourself lying, but if you're subject or have succumbed to a lie, you can still be prey to the spirit or the principality of lying. Amen? And the end result can be just as disastrous. How many people have been promised things, and it turns out somebody lied to them, and at the end of the day, they're backed into a corner? Well, you didn't tell the lie, but you're sure eating the fruit of it. Amen? We see cults. Cults preach to their victims, their members, with a spirit of deception and lying. 
The end result, in some cases, is that they're destroyed spiritually, or they literally may lose their lives, like we see with Jim Jones and the mass suicides, people drinking poison Kool-Aids. The, the lying that was at the root of what they were doing took out, in that case, I think it was over 700 people, including a senator. You would think a senator is, like, brilliant, and, well, now in this day and age, you might not, but... <laughs> At least you think he's educated. He knows how to debate and how to reason if he was elevated up to that position. Amen. But yet he fell prey to a lie and it cost him his life. So the spirit of lying causes men to believe in and speak with deception. Now, a quote I have is by uh, actually two quotes. Hannah Arendt, who was a German born political theorist, said the trouble with lying and deceiving is that their efficiency depends entirely upon a clear notion of the truth that the liar and deceiver wishes to hide. <laughs> I'll say it again. The trouble with lying and deceiving is that their efficiency depends entirely upon a clear notion of the truth that the liar and deceiver wishes to hide. So in other words, somebody that's fallen prey to the lie isn't sitting there like, oh, I just enjoy soaking up lies and deception. No, they believe they're hearing the truth. That's why they take it in in the first place. But on the deceiver or liar side, he knows the truth, but yet he chooses to twist it to his own ends and communicate it in such a way that you'll buy it. Amen? So, he, in other words, he is clear what the truth is, but he doesn't want to give you the truth because it doesn't suit what he wants to get out of you. So therefore, I'm fully aware of it, but yet I'm going to distort it, and here you go, ingest this, and let me manipulate you to do what I want. Amen? Hallelujah. Michelle de Montaigne, a French philosopher, said, I do myself a greater injury in lying than I do him of whom I tell a lie. I'll repeat that one too. I do myself a greater injury in lying than I do him of whom I tell a lie. <laughs> and that's the problem. A lot of people tell lies, but they don't think they're doing any harm to themselves. Oh, I'm only getting what I want out of this person. I'm deceiving this person. I'm manipulating that person to do this or that. They don't realize as they're doing it, you're actually injuring yourself. Because when the truth comes out, bam, who told that? Who started this mess? Amen. <laughs> let's see a few things that God says about this actually the rest of the day we're going to talk about lying uh, th these two I just put in I didn't have a chance to put them on a the slide but James 5.12 this is one of the things that God the word of God says James 5.12 says but above all things my brethren swear not neither by heaven neither by earth neither by any other oath but let your yea be yea and your nay nay lest you fall into condemnation. Amen? Hallelujah. So he says here, do not swear by a bunch of things. You hear people all the time, swear to God. That's just so horrible. And the thing is, like, it's one thing to disobey God, but then to put his name into something that you know to be false, you really have no respect whatsoever in God that you're going to swear to him when you know all the time that you're just lying out the wazoo. It just makes no sense. And people think so there's no repercussions to that. Amen? But the Word of God tells us in the book of Galatians, what a man soweth, he surely shall reap. 
So you may think you're getting away with something, and people might hear your lies and, like I said, run with them and think they're true, but there's a universal principle. The same way that gravity, if you jump, will pull you down, unless you're in outer space. And I don't know too many people personally been in outer space. I've only talked personally to one astronaut, so I'm assuming that if y'all jump, y'all going to come back down. Amen? But the reality is, the same way gravity will pull you down, if you lie and speak a falsehood, the reality is a lot of times it's going to come back to haunt you later on. And it may not be to the person that you told it to. It could come back and haunt you later on. And see, that's the thing. A lot of times when people are getting exposed, they'll say something to this person and that person and this one over here. And, I'll, oh, can you do this? Yeah, I could do this. Can you be there? Yeah, sure, I'll be there. But after a while, it may not affect you in terms of what you did with one person, but as it spreads around, your reputation gets ruined or something occurs where all the things starts to pile back on top of you. Amen? And then you're sitting there like, oh, why is everybody looking at me wrong? Because you've been spreading a lot of nonsense. And now it's judgment day. <laughs> so God says here, do not swear by things above. Do not swear by him. Amen. Another thing he talks about, really don't swear about things that you revere. I've heard people swear in my mama's grave. My mom's been dead for over half my life. I ain't never swore to her grave. I ain't never swore to her life. I re- see, I revere my mother too much to use her name to speak a falsehood. So it just it amazes me, and it really is an identifier of the type of character that you have that you can speak so loosely and with something that somebody holds so dear, you could just flippantly throw something out there and associate your mom or God to it, knowing full well that you're not telling the truth. So God tells us, amen, that instead of doing these things, swearing by him, things in the earth, people you revere, institutions that are considered sacred, instead of swearing by these things, he said, forget all the oaths and the promises. Instead, if you say yes, let it be yes. You say no, let it be no. Just keep it straight. You don't need all the drama. You don't need all the grandiose expressions of how you're going to do this or that or this is true or this is false. Just Keep it plain. Amen? (laughs) I don't drink, but as they say, straight, no chaser. (laughs) Just put it out there straight. Amen? And let your yay be yay. Let your nay be nay. And as they say in the world, let your word be your bond. Amen? People use that phrase a little bit too much, too, when they don't back it up with anything. So God tells us. and, And here we see you need to do this. Why? lest you fall into condemnation. See, the end result of you speaking and lying, deceiving, is that at some point, condemnation, whether it's from God or it's from man, can come back to to haunt you. And here's the thing. We can sit there, oh, everybody's slandering my name and smearing my reputation. When you fall into this condemnation, it is self self promoted. It is self-orchestrated. You did it to yourself. And that's why God is warning you, don't do it lest ye fall into condemnation. He's warning you before you can even put yourself on the path where you'll end up in the place of condemnation. He's warning you, don't do this or else. This could be the consequence. Amen? And I see times where 
people will try to build up and say, okay, well, I lied to get here. Well, if I could just twist a little bit more to get over there, I'd get myself out of this one. You just twist yourself further and further into the pretzel or the knot. <laughs> Amen? One thing Jesus says, Matthew 12, 35 through 37, it says, A good man out of the treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Man, I think if we really walked around on a daily basis, keeping that in mind, most of us would be mutes. I ain't saying nothing. I ain't talking to nobody. Because <laughs> that's the thing. It's just like it's so easy to do, you know, and you got to realize that where does it really come from? Satan was the father of lies. And when Adam sinned, we became children that had his nature. And if he is the father of that, and that's one of the chief things that he produces, when we took on the sin nature, we automatically took the ability to lie along with it. Amen? That's why it's so easy. And sometimes it's harder for you to stay the, the, the straight and narrow and not lie than it is to, to tell the fib. Because it's just like, just think about it. There's situations where, ooh, things get a little tight. <laughs> why didn't you get that project done? Automatically. <laughs> you hear that? <laughs> it's almost like that little devil you see in the cartoon with the, the, the fork. Well, tell him this. And that comes right there. But the inspiration to tell the truth, but saying it in such a way that, okay, well, I didn't get the project done, but, you know, I really was working hard, but you know what? I, I, I fell short in here. I didn't estimate the time properly. But look, I got to work extra hours. I'll get it done. That seems so much harder to us than. Well, Joe said he was getting his part done, and he didn't. And therefore, that's why I didn't get it done. That is so much easier to us until the person in charge of us goes and hears everybody's opinion, and <laughs> all roads come back to you, or a major part of the road <laughs> comes back to you. <laughs> but, gee, but God tells us, though, idle words that we speak, you may say them lightly and not care or concern yourself with the effect that it has on other people, situations, how they perceive you, and indirectly how they see God as a result of who you are if you profess yourself to be a Christian. You know, we may speak lightly and not think about it, but in, in heaven there's a record of these things, and unrepented of and unresolved, unreconciled. When we come before God, he can say, hey, what happened here? That's scary. Thank God for the blood of Jesus and repentance, because that is a scary thing to me. The idle words that we speak, not only gossiping and backbiting and murmuring and complaining, but the idle words of speaking with a forked tongue, like I said, especially when we don't have to. Not that it's justified at any time, but when we do that, there is an accountability. Even if it's not before men, there's an accountability before God that we don't speak lightly. Let's stay, oh, actually, let's go to John chapter 8. That's up there. John 8, 38 through 47. And this is Jesus speaking. 
I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. The answer is said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. This is basically what I was just talking about. They said to him, We're not born of fornication, and we have one father, even God. Jesus saith unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he hath sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. So we see the root of lying. Amen. It comes from the pit of hell. It comes from the father of lies. And we could try to mask it and manipulate it and justify it and do whatever we want. But the fact is, if you don't have deception in you, you cannot speak a lie. I'll say it again. If you don't have deception in you, you will not be able to speak a lie. I don't know any person that speaks without the words being processed in their brain and then coming out of their mouth. And a lot of times the stuff that we say is not even just in our minds alone, but if you really look at it, it comes from the core of who we are as individuals. So we could try to pretty it up, pretty it up and, oh, well, I only said it because of this or because they did that, or you know, we can try to pretty it up and even spiritualize it as much as we want. But the reality at the end of the day is how does God perceive it and what does his word say about what we're doing at that moment? Amen? He tells us things such as if people are talking about you, doing this, and dogging you out and, and accusing you, he says, hey, you're doing things according to my word and my will, you know, let them be ashamed. Amen? And if they speak falsely against you, the shame will come back upon them. I'm paraphrasing it, but that's what God says. So we're turning that around and saying, instead of me waiting and trusting God to bail me out and deliver me out of this situation and turn my shame into joy and the conflict into peace, if we're not trusting God and we choose to use the devices of the enemy and go into actually cooperation with the principality of lying, then we'll get the fruit of deception. Amen? We're going to get the fruit of our lives when the truth comes out. So we see here God says, you know, he's looking at, at Jesus. It's like, why don't you guys understand my speech? <laughs> and then he gets to the heart of the matter. You can't understand what it means to speak and cooperate to, totally with the will of God and perceive and speak the things according to the spirit of God. Because at the core of your being, there's some deception that's present in there. Amen. And if you can't deal with that, you're going to have a hard time basically grasping the principles I'm giving you on how to live a righteous life. And matter of fact, he goes a step further and said, the reason you people can't even hear and understand what I'm preaching is because in your heart, there's certain things that are deceptive that are actually blocking you from hearing the full truth of God's word. So you're limiting, in other words, the way in which you even receive Revelation from God in order to live 
you know, the abundant life that he had called for you to live. I've shared before, I met a guy years ago. I was in a, I just got laid off from Blue Cross. They had a mass um, release, and, and my work was fine. My supervisor cried, literally cried, telling me she had to let me go. The manager was angry. He tried to go to the people up, up above and say, I got to hire this guy. They put a freeze on hiring. So it wasn't a case of my work. They loved me, but the number crunchers up in accounting say, hey, we're going to get rid of all consultants. It's costing the company too much money. So they let me go, and I ended up going into a Bible study, and there's this guy that was a president of a, a company there, and I wasn't even trying to pursue or orchestrate, but one of the people there is like, oh, hey, Brian, you know, didn't you say that you, your, your job's about to end in a couple of weeks? And I was like, yeah. He said, oh, you might want to talk to brother so-and-so. He's president of a company. So I talked to him, and he starts making all these promises and everything, and I start working, and, like, nothing's coming out of it. I was like, dude, I told you up front, <laughs> like, I need to get paid. I'm working, and I'm between jobs. I need to get something that's fruitful and has me an income string. And you basically sold me this bill of goods that didn't come true. You're really looking for somebody to give you freebies. But you presented it in such a way like, oh, yeah, we're going to make a lot of money together. And I remember, you know, over the, the time in which we've interacted with each other <coughs> that um, one time we had um, – I met him. He came back to New Jersey, and we were sitting at this table at a pizzeria. Kyle, Kyle was actually there, but he probably was too, too young to remember. But we're sitting there eating pizza, and he just looks me right in the eye and says, well, you know, I have a problem with integrity. Like, he's a professing Christian. He goes to the church. He's faithful to the church and everything. But he says, I have a problem with integrity. <laughs> and here's the thing. We were probably a decade further along in our relationship, and he's still doing some of the same manipulations and promises that he did years ago. And the same consequences keep coming over and over again. The last time he contacted me, as he did with me, he found somebody that was a software engineer, IT specialist, to do some work for him with the bill of goods. Same bill of goods I got over a decade ago. The person got frustrated and just said, I ain't working with you anymore. And then the government comes back to him and said, we don't want this on your site anymore. Get it down. So he goes to that person personally, no, I ain't doing another thing for you because this ain't paying off. Then he calls me up. I was like, here we go. You know, there's the Obama bailout plan, and there's the Brian Fox bailout plan in his eyes. But I was told him, I was like, look, I'm busy. And I said, if I ain't doing my full-time job, the consulting I'm doing is paying me top dollar at my old job. Ain't got time. Oh, brother, I ain't trying to hear brother, brother, brother. Been there, done that. And I know, unfortunately, you've spoken in the past with this forked tongue. You've done these manipulative tactics to get people to work for you that is unfruitful to them, and you know it's going to be. And you're still doing the same thing. Eat the consequences. So I don't, know, I don't even know how the situation panned out. But I told him, like, nope. Well, can you just look at it? Nope. Can't look at it. And I said, hey, you got a budget. I got some people that could do it for you, but I ain't getting involved. I'm not spending a minute of my time looking at it because this is the same old song as it was over 10 years ago. <laughs> So that's the thing. People can have these deceptive attitudes and, you know, they say, oh, this is just a way of doing business. No, it's a lack of integrity. And a lack of integrity is, is lying. You know, we could try to pretend and make excuses. Well, this is the way we do business and that's the way that, okay, well, how is it a, a fruitful, godly way 
to do business that is always taking advantage of somebody else. God cannot be in that. And that's why God's not blessing that. And like I said, the person has a very good personality, but quite frankly, at the heart of this, it goes back to what Jesus is saying. Something in you that's, that's evil as it relates to that. You've got a stronghold in that area. You're controlled by the principality of, of lying. And until you t- truly repent of it, it's going to be lying a, a, a beneath the surface, waiting for every opportunity to prey upon somebody else again. And you're going to continue to reap the consequences of it until you get it right and see it for what it is. And that's the, that's the reason why this keeps going. He's not sorry for what he'll even say, I have it. But he's not sorry about it. Therefore, it's going to continue to hinder his business. This guy meets senators, congressmen. I'm talking about major players down in D.C. all the time. Knows them by name. Eats dinner with them. Goes to fancy restaurants with them. Business continues to struggle all the time. Has borrowed money from his parents. There's no way he should not be a multimillionaire with a multimillion dollar business, except for I believe that the underpinnings of his organization are deceptive and he won't repent of it. Therefore, he's eating the fruit of it. Amen? So, as it relates to people, Jesus trying to give them the truth, but they could not hear it, I've told him another time, number of times that this is an area you need to work on, but because at the core of his being, he likes the stronghold and the principality, he's under, he can hear audibly what I'm saying, but in his spirit, man, he can't do what it takes to abolish it and purge it out of his life because his flesh loves it too more than his spirit, man, hates it. Amen? So therefore, it's going to continue to prey upon his life. So we got to look at ourselves, too. Is this something? You know, last week we saw disobedience. This week we're looking at lions. We're looking at the principalities. You cannot get rid of a principality if in your flesh you still love it and you don't strengthen your spirit, man. And your, your mind, your soul, to fight that thing off. Amen? Paul said, I, I beat my flesh into submission daily. Do we have the mindset that we're going to fight off these things if they're in our lives? And then to be able to discern these things when they're in the lives of somebody else. The word here in this passage of Scripture means to give an audience to. To grasp, understand, or heed. Once again, it means to give an audience to. To grasp, understand or heed so we have a choice of what we choose to hear and once again hearing when we see this in the English we just think about with our ears audibly taking in the language that is being expressed through the airwaves that's what we think of when we're talking about hearing but according to Hebrew or Jewish tradition and the times in which Jesus was saying this, the word here was just, wasn't just taking it in audibly. It was taking it in audibly, processing it in your mind, grasping it, and then making it a part of how you perceive things and conduct your life. So a lot of people heard what Jesus preached, but there's a lot of people that didn't hear him. <laughs> they only heard him at one level, in other words. They didn't hear the fullness of what he was saying because they chose not to. Amen? Hallelujah. And we see with the parable of the sower, it says that the sower sowed the word. It didn't say he sowed a different word to different people. It simply says that the sower sowed the word. But with some, it fell on good ground, stony ground. It's up to the recipient 
everybody can get the same word, but only some will choose to fully hear it and make it part of who they are and how they conduct themselves. You know what it's talking about? Uh, basically, his own. We're just talking about his own in that passage of Scripture. I just flipped the page. Um, it's basically saying certain times there's things that are in you. With the deception he was talking of, he said that these are things that are pertaining to yourself and your nature. In other words, deception is something that's very personal to each one of us. Amen? And we can sit here and say, oh, well, I only did this because other people do it. No, you did it because you love it too. <laughs> you love it too. And you can see that a lot of times. You know, of course, if you're, you're a child or a teenager and you're in an environment where you can't escape, you've got some kind of situation where you can't get out of right now, you might be forced to be surrounded by it, but that doesn't mean you have to engage with it. Amen? Samuel grew up in a temple with two guys that were basically beating people up to get offerings, fooling around with prostitutes, and the, and the father was sitting there turning his head the other way because he was so far away from God. But yet Samuel still remained pure. Just, so just because deception surrounds you doesn't mean you have to be deceptive. Amen? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were surrounded by people, and they said, you got to eat and drink a certain way. They said, no, we don't want to do that. So they approached those in authority a certain way and said, hey, is it okay if we eat what is pure and acceptable to us? And they said, hey, if it doesn't work eating what we eat, then we'll do what everybody else does. But they at least approached those in authority and said, we don't want to go with the crowd, in other words. We want to do it God's way. So we can sit here and say, oh, well, I'm just acting deceptive or I'm associated with people doing things that aren't quite right because that's just the way they do it. And I'm just along for a ride. No, you're deceptive too. You've got to choose that I'm going to get away from those practices and those principles and the way in which they trust, they, they are trusting in those fleshly um, traits and, and characteristics to get ahead. You know, we're truly going to trust God. If God, we're going to trust God for our eternal destiny, we should be able to trust him that we can, honor, we can walk in truth according to his word and we will prosper. Amen? God will get you ahead a lot further than doing things the wrong way well. And then the lust he's, Jesus was talking about is the indwelling sin. It's a deep or uncontrollable yearning within your soul to do something and we see as Jesus did, that he said, I do and see what I see my father do. He said, you guys are your father the devil, and you're doing the stuff he does because he's in you. And you secretly lust after the way in which he thinks and the way in which he conducts himself. He said, you're just doing stuff that's according to the nature of your father. And that's why I see him in you. So we show all the time who is really governing and guiding our lives, who is of prominence in our lives based upon the way in which we conduct ourselves on a daily basis. Amen? Do we have the character of Christ to the point that if we have to make sacrifices and maybe we can't move along as quick as other people do, are we fine with that as long as we're right with God and doing what we see our Father do and saying what God tells us to say and walking in the lane that God has us in in this time and season? You know, there's been a lot of times that um, I know in my career there's been times where I've been faced with opportunities to go a shorter, what seemed a shorter route to promote myself or to get to a higher place or get more money. 
I was like, no, I got I to gotta do it God's way. I got to stay in his lane. You know, I shared before, I was like, I think three years of my career, and these people came out of blue, offered me a job with all these perks, and I'm just like, I ain't that good yet, am I? <laughs> I'm still <laughs> growing pains. I'm good, and I was, I was really good in college, but, you know, three years out of college, back in, you know, the, the late 80s, early 90s, at like 80K and an expense credit card, and I'm like, whoa. 80 grand is good now. That was back then. So the equivalent, what, like probably 250K in today's dollars? I was like, I don't think I'm that good. So that's my antenna came up. There must be a catch. And at the end of the day, long story short, they had all these perks, but they also said, if we hire you, we can send you anywhere in the world. And I say, well, for how long? Oh, anywhere from six months to two and a half years. I was like, no, I'm, in, I'm a babe in Christ in my home church. I ain't going nowhere. I'm saying in God's lane, you know. And, you know, the world might have said, oh, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Are you crazy? There's a couple times we had lawsuits we could have had. Pam got knocked across the highway. You looked at the car. You're like, She's dead. whoever's in that car is dead. She got out, didn't break a finger now. Hand of God, knocked across the Schuylkill by 18-wheeler. Then I got hit by a drunk driver. You know, on one occasion, another time I got hit by a woman, was turning back, looking at her baby crying, went right through a stop sign and nailed me. So quite frankly, from the world system, we, we could be rich multiple times over. We had some beautiful lawsuits that we could have had. Lawyers probably been like, oh, this is the easy one. Drunk driver. And, see the, and the drunk driver totaled her car hitting me and other vehicles. Actually, no, she totaled a rental car. She totaled her own car the week before that. So my lawyer was like, oh, yeah, this is a grand slam. I was like, no, just want my car fixed. I said, because the, 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 the TENS unit, you know, the massage in my back, I said, it makes my back hurt three, four days after I get each treatment. I said, I can't do that anymore. I said, I don't, I don't think that's going to give me lifelong damage in my back. He said, man, he said, you got a you know, lawsuit. He said, you just got to keep getting treatments. I said, no, nah, man, I, I can't do that. It's just tearing my back out. I said, I'm telling you. I said, I'm actually getting to the point. I feel fine in my back. And, you know, every once in a while I would get up in the morning and it would ache. But as I went within an hour or so, it would go away. So I was like, it's coming along. It's not perfect, but it's coming along. But then I would get that 10 unit treatment, three or four days. But, oh. And my lawyer's like, are you crazy? She was drunk twice. Wrecked two cars of her own, and then other cars she hit. You just got a new job. You, you only had the car two and a half months, and now you were out of it for two and a half months. What about the inconvenience you suffered? All you got to do is keep going and get the treatments and say that your back is killing you. I said, but my back is only killing me when I get the treatment. Well, you got to do what you got to do. I said, yeah, I do have to do what I got to do. I'm not going to lie. I'm not doing the treatments. I said, give me enough money to fix my car and pay your expenses, and I'm cool. So he didn't like it, but I was like, I had to be true to myself. And here's the thing. We told certain Christians about what was going on. What do you mean you're not going to sue? Man, they grinched up like, I was like, wow. I mean, we, we told them because we thought like, oh, this is a great testimony. We're trusting God, believing him for healing. They were mad at us because we didn't want to keep going along with the lawsuit. And it's a shame that as a babe in Christ, I looked at them and said, 
I have enough faith in God for healing. And also, if I'm meant to have money, God will open up the door for me to have that money. I don't need a lawsuit to do it. And yeah, if I was in a situation where I really, really felt for long-term injuries or something that I really need to proceed, that case, I would. You know, it's like I had an uncertain destiny and I'm hurting, really, really hurting. I probably would go longer. But at the time, and based upon what the Lord showed me, like, trust me for your total healing your back. And I haven't had back problems over the years. Once in a while, I might pull something, you know, pick something up wrong. But for the most part, I've been strong with my back. Amen. God healed me of the asthma that manifested after that accident that I was chronic with for three and a half years. That was another burden I had to bear from that accident. But he healed me of both those things. And, and you know, he's prospered me financially, maybe not as much as I would have got from them lawsuits. But I'm happy where I'm at. Amen. And I know I got to where I am without playing the world's game and lying and, oh, oh I'm dying. Oh, you might be dying. Keep that line up. So it's just a shame that some believers were angry at me. But I guess they didn't have the same faith in God giving them financial wealth that I did as a babe in Christ. And that's kind of sad. <laughs> so here's the thing. Jesus is basically saying you heed the, the words, the instruction, and the principles of the one you love. At the end of the day, that's what it comes to. Your perceptions, your actions will reveal the truth of what you believe in, who you trust, and who is at the core, the driving force of how you live your life. If you truly love God, you're going to do things his way. And if necessary, make sacrifices. You won't feel that you have to give in to the temptation to lie and manipulate, to get what you want or to go where you're trying to go. You'll trust God. So that's the thing. If you lie or act in a deceitful fashion, you know, you can blame, like I said, your behavior on other people or the circumstances you face. But the fact is, even if you said, I'm not straight out lying, but I'm going to straddle, as Miss Carol said, I'm going to straddle the fence a little bit or I'm going to just wave and go here and there. You, you're, you may not be out and out sinning, but you're showing a lack of faith in God. Amen. And he's going to bless you 100 times more than this world can if you just do things his way. And here's the thing, we may face one situation where you hear that impulse to speak deceptively. And you got to realize the devil will test you to see what's in you and see what you're made of. And you fail the test here in a small situation, what in the world do you think you're going to do when the stakes are a lot higher? And then you may even think you're getting through that situation okay and you get out on the other side, but then you hear that still small voice, you didn't trust me. And you're like, ouch. You have to carry that shame and that weight of I failed God by not trusting him to stay the course, as we say earlier, and do it the right way. I'd rather be able to hold my head up high in God and say, you know, it took me a little bit longer. The road was a little bit rougher. There may even have been times where I didn't think I was going to make it through, but God did it. And I did it the right way. I can look myself in the eye in the mirror, and I can most of all look at God and say, hey, I stay true to your word. Now, one of the things I was looking at in terms of lying, I'm not going to say that this is the only <laughs> list similar to my list of principalities. Other ministries or preachers or whatever may have different lists, but I actually had seven levels of lying that 
came to mind with me. You know, you can go back and analyze it later. I found the eighth one, or there's ten on my list, or I only feel there's four, and that's all fine. But I came up with seven levels of lying. The first one is you utter a falsehood. Uh, You utter a falsehood. Then the second one is you self-protect or basically you lie about lying. Oh, I didn't lie. Yes, you did. No, no, I didn't lie. And you know you did, so now you went from lying to lying about lying. (laughs) Which which is like, okay, it's already starting to pile on. Because <laughs> at first I lied, now I'm lying about the fact I lied. <laughs> so that's the second one. Third one is you develop a habit of lying. See, now you're doing it so much, it's like, it's just easy. And like I said earlier, when that little devil with the pitchfork pops up on your shoulder, before you used to wave them off, you used to profess the scripture and God be true and every man a liar. Let my yay be yay, my nay be nay. But by the time you get down to the point, step three, where you, you have a habit of it, it's like, okay, I don't feel any shame anymore. Jiminy Cricket is not on my shoulder being my conscious. I am now in the habit that I state lies. So I'm getting comfortable with it. Step four is where it starts to get bad. Step four is you self-deceive and believe your own lies. Well, the reason I did this, officer, is because I saw a UFO go over those trees to the east of here. And the cop is like, you crazy. And you're like, no, no, I really did. And, and you really believe it. <laughs> I did see something. <laughs> believe your own. That's pretty bad. You, you, you lie and you, you, you're getting so good, in other words, that I believe myself. I think I'm telling the truth. And you're lying. I knew somebody like this before. I used to tell people, I was like, <laughs> if aliens came from outer space, landed on a white horse house lawn, and met the president, he would say, I gave him the directions to get there. And, and I introduced him. That's how bad this guy will lie. Matter of fact, I know nothing has changed because I went to a funeral recently, and there's certain things I know about his relationship. He has... He dealt with two of my nephews, and that was totally dysfunctional and horrendous, and they don't want really to be bothered with him. And I know with his two other children he had, that's similarly gone horribly bad to the point that there's a restraining order with the one child. He can't go near. So we're at the funeral. He's just talking about, oh, yeah, we got to get together all the kids. I'm sitting there like, and he just said, oh, yeah, get the kids together, you know, and they're getting older. We start, you know, we need to start a business together, and we can hire the children, and this would be our family legacy. And me and my brother and his wife are sitting there like, he believed in this. Oh, yeah, and they, oh, the kids are getting so big now. It's like, well, they're getting big, but they ain't around you. And he just said, oh, yeah, maybe um, how long are you staying up? Maybe all of us can get to go to dinner tonight. And I was like, if we say we go to dinner tonight, it ain't going to happen because you can't be around them. But he's just going and going, and we're just sitting there like, whew. And we're being polite, and I'm thinking it's like 40 minutes later at the cemetery. Like, I really just want to go. And he's just going and going and going. 
get together for food and dinner. They're looking so good, you ought to see the family photos. Oh, maybe we should go over there and visit with them. Go out to dinner tonight. Start a business and hire them all and take the world. And we're sitting there like, he believes this. Believe in his own tales. (laughs) Step five. You rationalize your lies instead of coming clean. You rationalize your lies instead of coming clean by pretending that they are justified for the betterment of yourself or others. Yeah, I lied, but I had to for the team. So once again, you, you rationalize your reason for lying or acting deceptively by instead of coming clean by pretending that they are justified. And you can say for your own good or for the better for the good of others. You can word it any way you want. It's just I'm just saying I know it's hard for y'all to write it quick, so word it wherever you want, <laughs> as long as you get the premise. So you're basically rationalizing your reason for lying because I'm protecting them or it's for the good of all of us. Um, that was number five, right? Um, number six is you start to cultivate and compartmentalize your deceptions. You compartmentalize them. So it's like you may do it with certain people. You may present something one way to a certain group of people and with another group of people you present it another way. Or you may compartmentalize it where in one a particular area of your life, you pretty much walk in honesty, but there's certain areas where you just lying like crazy. So two groups of people could see you, and the one group could be like, oh, that's a scoundrel. The other person would be like, what are you talking about? The most noble, honest, compassionate, enduring, endearing person you've ever seen. How dare you talk about him? But the other people may see that only that other side, you know, the scoundrel. So you compartmentalize. And like I said, you, once again, you're explaining that there's reasons for your deviating from the standards or the truth. And in a sense, you're implying that others, well, I'm, I'm lying, but you, you just don't understand why I need to do this. You don't get it. So others don't understand the need for your position and promotion of, of uh, falsehoods. So I guess if you had to shortcut that one, it would be like compartmentalizing your lying, but you actually share reasons for it. So this time it's not, even it's not so much like you're denying it anymore. It's like, okay, well, yeah, I lied, but, you know, I had to do it for this reason. You've got to understand why I had to do this. You probably hear this a lot with, you know, situations with the government, military, (laughs) politicians. We couldn't tell them the truth about that land over there with that that spill of chemicals. People would have panicked. So therefore, we had to tell them that everything is safe. The compartmentalized, justified deception, which actually leads to the final one. So I I guess that was going into the final one. You decide that it is actually your duty to lie. I have to for the security of this or that. Now, of course, 
I, mean, I understand that if you're working at the, the national interests of the United States of America, the government or something like that, let's just face it. When you get to a certain level, unfortunately, you got to lie at times. You're going under, uh, undercover ops or something like that. You know, even police, you're doing under, uh, undercover operation. Under, unfortunately, there's certain things you got to do, like, oh, my name is Joe Blow, but your name is Bruce Miller. Yeah, certain times where the occupation or the things that are at hand, it comes to the territory that you have to, to lie. You're some type of spy. You lie. You just, it's part of your job. Um, but it's the difference between that. You know, and, you know, a lot of people go back and forth on Oliver North when he lied. And, you know, he stands there bold in his uniform. I lied for my nation. I'll do it again. You know, he's looking at jail time, and now he pretty much is on a speaking circuit, and he has different programs and stuff. Most people pretty much see him as a hero, but, you know, it goes which way you're looking at him. So there are times when people feel it's actually their duty to lie, but there's quite, quite a difference between national security interests, military interests, and you just in your personal life, like, it was my duty to lie to you. Eh, no, there ain't no duty in that. You just lie. <laughs> so those are, you know, pretty much the seven levels that the Lord gave me. Now I got next verse I want to look at, and we're just want to share three more. Proverbs 12. 17 through 22, he that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. The lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil, but to the counsel of peace is joy. There shall no evil happen to the just, but the wicked shall be filled with mischief. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. That word abomination there means morally disgusting. And it means that something that God finds repulsive, detestable, or abhorrent. So God is saying your lying is, is, it a, is repulsive to me. And once again, if you look at how Jesus called Satan the father of lies, you would, and look at all the trouble that Satan has caused mankind and all the rebellion that has come out of him. And even at the Garden of Eden, you know, he lied there. You shall not, you know, you'll be as gods if, if you do that, and God is withholding from you. And if you touch this, you will shall, shall not surely die, as God told you. He started out lying and used that as a means to under, undermine, undermine mankind. So, Here's how we see God. He finds it repulsive, detestable. And on the other side of the coin, he says that if you walk in truth, he says you have a tongue that is wise and it leads to health. Whereas if you're speaking lies, he says it's like a sword. You're piercing people through with it. You know, futility comes out of it. And he says, actually, it can only come out of you because deceit is in the heart of you and you're imagining evil. So we might say like, oh, well, I don't see what the big deal is about me lying. But God's saying, no, there's evil imaginations in your heart that have now sprung forth out of your life. And see, it's one thing for you to struggle with it and go back and forth in your spirit whether or not I'm going to do it. It's quite another that you've now processed it, you've been tempted, you've done it, You've now taken what was in you, and to a certain extent, you've contaminated other people and spread the lying from you 
into their lives, their minds, and in their hearts. And if somebody is impressionable, you may be teaching them to walk according to the same nature. So that's one of the reasons why God sees that as something that's detestable because you're going from dealing with it the wrong way by not coming to him, but now you're uttering it, affecting people in an ungodly manner and maybe teaching them indirectly that they should do the same. Psalm chapter 12, 1 and 2. To the chief musician upon Sheminith, a, a psalm of David, help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. For the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. <laughs> this one is deep. It says they speak vanity, everyone to his neighbor. It talks about them having flattering lips. I'm sure you all have come across people that they'll smile at you and they say the right thing. It could be as simple as, how does my hair look or how my outlook look? Oh, girl, you look great. And they walk away. That fool looks look like a clown. Where that? Not? I don't believe she put that. Lord Jesus. <laughs> they be praying to Jesus the wrong way. Lord Jesus, I don't know she, why in the world she thought she could wear that outfit. So they spoke to you with flattering lips. But in their head and their heart, they looked you at you another way. And then it gets worse, though. It says with flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. I remember years ago in the Soul Tie series I preached, I actually shared that. You know, I've dealt with women. They were like, well, the guy told me how he felt about me. Oh, I love you. I need you. I'm going to do this and commit to you and that and this and woman of my life and all these different things. And he says all these things to you and you open up your heart and, and you receive him and you think you're in the greatest relationship and then you find him down the street and, or you've got five, five other women. When he spoke to me, it was so convincing. I truly felt like love was coming out of him. It couldn't have been a lie, and it wasn't. <laughs> he has a double heart. <laughs> so when he's dealing with you, he's speaking out of the heart that has a motive as it relates to you, and out of the abundance of his heart, the mouth is speaking, and he's giving you exactly what you need to pull you in. But see, the thing is, the problem is that since he has a double heart, you're only hearing the pursuing heart. You're not hearing the f fullness of what is really in him. So he'll speak to you, and it's not just women. It could be a guy, relationship for business. It could be a position in a company. It could be whatever. person will speak to you, and they will look you in the eye and be totally, um, seem totally truthful, very, seem very, like, you know, caring and compassionate and wow I really felt the emotion behind what they said then the next thing you know it's like they just totally trash you discard you step on you whatever and you're like how in the world could they go from it's like Jekyll and Hyde two different people yeah because the person that was pursuing you with motive spoke out of that heart but your true heart of who they are focuses on other things amen you want a biblical example of that? Look at, Am, look at um, Tamar and her brother, um, Amnon. He's like, I love her. He talks to his, and he's, he's sitting in his room one day, he's sick. He's just pining, my heart is broken. And Jonadab comes in and says, man, what's wrong with you? He's like, I love, I love Tamar. 
I got to have her. She's everything to me. I want her. She's the woman of my dreams. And t- instead of telling him, you fool, you lusting after your sister, I'm going to beat the crap out of you before I tell your dad. He said, Here, here's what you do, Amnon. Pretend you're sick and tell them, tell them to call her and tell her to bring you bread. And when she comes in, take her. Girl gets the bread, comes in. Hey, brother, how you doing? Pins her down, rapes her. And then as soon as he's done, you disgust me. Get out of here. What happened to the guy who loved her and had to have her? Because he pursued her out of one heart, but then when that heart got what it desired, switch flipped, came back to his old self, which is still a despicable human being, and he kicked her out. She even said, like, how can you do this folly? Like, you abused me, and now you're going to discard me like I'm some kind of street prostitute? She was like, you can't do this to me. Like, get up out of here. Because he had two hearts. So we got to make sure we not only are watching out for people that have double hearts, but we also have to make sure we don't allow ourselves to get to the place where we have a double heart. Amen? Last one I want to look at today. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who could know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. <laughs> it says the heart is deceitful above all things. Desperately wicked, and who can know it? Fortunately, God is saying in this passage that he knows it, and he says, similar to a rider on a horse, he can get a hard little tug, try to stop heart, don't go there, giddy up heart, speed up the pace, turn left, turn right, he'll try to raise your heart. But sometimes you got a, a bronco or stallion that just does not want to be tamed. No, I'm going to do what I want to do, God. I feel you tugging the reins, but I got to be me. I got to pursue what I want. I got to go get mine. Amen? And that's the thing. He says the heart is deceitful above all things. He's trying to warn us. He says your heart is so deceitful and wicked that sometimes you don't even know what is going on inside of yourself, what drives you. How many times you see out in the in, in, in secular world that people are saying, oh, well, I'm trying to figure myself out, or maybe I need to... Travel, you know, when I leave, when I graduate college, maybe I need to travel around the world for a little bit, you know, just, just find myself. Where do you think yourself is? <laughs> I need to find my, you need to find yourself, uh, take your finger. Oh, that's where. <laughs> and I understand imagination and, as they say, wanderlust or the need to travel or whatever, or I'm not quite sure career or whatever. But sometimes people, you see people that stay in school 20, 20 years, 30 years, and they're still trying to figure out who they are and where they're going. And seriously, come on now. Yeah, you should have found yourself 10 times over. You, found, you, you, found, you should have found yourself enough for 10 lives, let alone your own. You're just avoiding getting out there in the work world. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, thank you. <laughs> but the thing is, the heart is desperately wicked, though, and sometimes people are saying, oh, I can't figure out how I feel, or I don't know this, or, 
Or sometimes we think we do have things figured out and I'm pursuing this and that because this is good for me or this is what I desire. Or, this is what I'm about. And sometimes we either get something or we're on a continual road to try to find it. And at the end of the day, as we saw earlier, we've even deceived ourselves. And that's why sometimes we actually attain something. It's just like, oh, I'm not happy. Yeah, but you got what you've been pursuing for the last 10 years. Yeah, but I still feel empty. Or it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Is there anything more? You know, Pam and I, I remember years ago, we were babes in Christ, and we went to, to this restaurant to have dinner, and they were had, um, I think it was like a jazz-type restaurant. They were playing music. They had a band there, and this woman was by herself, and she came in. And it's just like I just had this, this image, which she actually confirmed. She lived down, like, you know, lower part of Philly with those older homes, like brick townhouses, and they were expensive back then. And this woman is covered top to bottom with fancy jewelry and rings and earrings and dressed really well and she's by herself she's asked like can she sit down with us like oh yeah you know come on we don't mind so we're sitting there talking and everything and at one point she's like i'm so jealous of you two we like i broke my eyes <laughs> i'm like i'm looking at you like uh this woman living large and she's like i am so envious of the two of you because she said i take drugs to get up i take drugs to get the, through the day and I, and I take drugs to get to sleep. And she said, I can see you have so much peace. So sometimes you attain what the world would say, I've arrived. I'm on the mountaintop. Now the rest of my life is smooth sailing. And this woman was so full of what m most people would think, like, oh, I wish I could get there. She was, she was empty. And she envied us just because we had the simple thing known as peace. So this, the heart... I'm not saying in her case she was deceiving herself and pursuing things. I don't know what led to her having that station in life. But I know there's a lot of people that try to attain different things, you know, and it, it may not be wealth. It could be careers. It could be academic credentials. It could be a relationship with somebody. It could be a certain amount of money in a bank, you know, the car you drive, whatever. But sometimes we deceive ourselves. And that's why when God is saying, I'm going to test your reins, Instead of us trying to yank back and say, no, I'm not going to stop, or no, I'm not going to turn to the right when you're trying to nudge me to the left, we need to say, all right, God, first of all, before I even move, do you want me to stay here or should I go? And if you tell me to go, and I'm just going to do a little light gallop, <laughs> or am I going full steam ahead? And when we feel that little nudge, instead of fighting it, and there's times where we feel that nudge from God, telling us to go to the left, but our eyes are so focused on what's straight ahead or to the right, we're just like, but God. And God's like, no, no. And we're fighting to try to go another direction. We got to give in to God while he's tugging on us. And most of all, we're trying to pursue things. Don't walk in the area of deception. Just stay the course. Amen. Stay true to yourself and what you know God has for you. Like I said, there's been a number of times where Opportunities that had presented themselves that seemed to be something that would bring me a lot of money, but it came with a price. You know, in the first situation, it came with the cost of, if I accepted it, that I would be traveling who knows where. And that might sound exotic to a lot of people, but I was like, but I'm going to miss the simplicity of being in a church home where I'm getting so much revelation from God. The cost, the price is too high for me. I was like, I ain't leaving that for anything. 
thank God, I may, I may have been young in the Lord, but I was mature and wise enough to make one of the best decisions of my life that really shaped me into who I am today, you know? Uh, one of the greatest decisions of my life. At other times, like compromise, where between jobs and projects presented themselves. And, you know, the one times like great money, working from home, which I really like doing. And we're going through the interview, everything sounds great. And he's like, oh, do you have any problem with doing adult sites? I'm like, yep. Well, you don't have to watch the stuff. You just need to do the programming to make the thing. Nope. You sure? Yep. Well, do you know anybody with your skills? Because you sound like a great match. Technically, you know anybody with your similar skills that could do this? Nope. And if I did, I wouldn't tell you. Because not only am I not going to do it, but I'm not going to point anybody your way to help you. I'm going to walk in the things of God. And I remember even during that time, I went to unemployment one time. And I came up, I filled out the forms, and there was some kind of confusion between me working in Philly and living in New Jersey. I think my job had actually filed the taxes in the wrong place. So they kept going back and forth, back and forth. So finally, the lady came up to me. She said, well, um, did you ever live um, in, in, in Pennsylvania? I said, no. She said, well, do you know anybody that lives in you know, Philadelphia where you could say, like, hey, you work here? Because she said, like, look, if we stick with how it is, wages, you know, taxes filed here, live here, we're going to have to refile and reprocess, and this could take a long time. But if you say, I've lived here for a matter of time with a friend, wink, wink, you're good today. I looked at her and said, I'm a man of God, and I said, no matter how bad I need the money, I will not lie to get it. So she walked away, came back. She said, last chance. I said, once again, I'm a man of God. I said, I believe God to bless me financially and to take care of me. I will not lie. Even though I could desperately lead the money now, I am not going to lie to get it because I believe God. And she said, you know what? I believe your God is going to do it for you. I think three days later I had a job. By the time the unemployment kicked in, I was already back to work. So we make statements for God that demonstrate that we're not going to walk in a lack of integrity and God can bless us. Amen? And I, like I said, there's times when that pressure's on. That lying would be the easy way. I mean, this woman literally like, wink, wink. There's your money. And I was like, wink, wink. No. The price is too high. I'm not going to lie. I don't need to lie to get money. I didn't need to lie during the lawsuit. I ain't gonna, compared to the lawsuit, <laughs> I probably could have had millions. You think I'm going to lie over unemployment, which is <laughs> ain't even your full check? <laughs> I'm going to stay true and believe God. And God did his thing. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, let's all rise and celebrate God. Amen. Hallelujah. Next week we're going to look at, ooh, it's a good one. It's not a good one if you deal with it, but it's a good one to deal with. We're going to deal with the principality of rejection next week. I'm sure we all... <laughs> I know I spent a lot of my years dealing with that from, from childhood. So I don't know about y'all, but that spirit, I'm almost like, should that spirit be higher up in the, principality be higher up the chart? But <laughs> I ain't going to change the chart. But <laughs> whew, that's a, a big one. Amen. That if you really look at it, affects a lot of 
family dynamics. Causes a lot of schisms. Causes a lot of breaches that never mend. Amen? So we're going to dig in with it starting next week. Praise the Lord. And pray and believe God that some healing, if we're still struggling with it or know people struggling with it, that either he would give us healing or we're interacting with somebody that we can administer healing to them through what we receive. And if you know somebody that needs to be under that next week, by all means, bring them. Amen? Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we give you praise, honor, and glory for everything you're doing in our lives, Father. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that uh, if we're dealing with any situations or struggling in the areas of disobedience or lying, Father, that you would penetrate our hearts and minds, that you would pierce through, hallelujah, any strongholds, any wounds, any areas that have, Father, been infiltrated by the enemy and purge them through your word. We thank you for the sword of spirit, which is the word of God that will cut, is a two-edged sword, cutting down and dividing between the joints and the marrow. And it knows the thoughts and intents of the, of the heart. So we praise and thank you, Holy Spirit, for penetrating and rooting out these principalities, not only in us if they are present, in our mind, our body, and spirit, but if we're subjected to them, Father, in our houses, in our places of business, in the circle of friends or family that we uh, interact with, we praise and thank you, Father, that, hallelujah, obedience and truth, hallelujah, would begin to dominate. You would use us, Father, to cause these things to manifest in the lives that we interact with. And we just praise and thank you, Father, that as you do this work in us, Father, you would also show us, Father, hallelujah, the manifestations of, of victory, um, jobs and careers and health, different things that would become fruitful in our lives. We praise and thank you, Father, for this. Once again, we also praise you, Father, that we would not only hallelujah, ingest your word, understand it, and let it fall on good grounds, that it would govern our thoughts, our conduct, our speech and behavior, but also we would bring healing, deliverance, and salvation to those, hallelujah, that we interact with as we administer your word and your principles to them. We praise you, thank you, Father, for this, and we thank you, Father, for safe traveling mercies home. We once again praise you, Lord, for touching um, Uncle Sammy, Hallelujah, that you touch him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet hallelujah, with divine healing and get his blood regulated. If need be, still get the dietitian in to have a plan that truly works for him in place. We praise and thank you for um, Kiki's grandmother that you would um, just make the whole insurance claim adjustment process go quickly if it's not been completed yet, that their home could be repaired and everything would be returned back to normal. Continue to praise you, Father, for um, Grammy, that you minister to her, continue to highly strengthen her body, Father. And we praise you, Lord, that you would um, continue to minister. Um, I know Phil's had the issue with her eyes, that you would um, complete the work of healing in her. Um, touch Kevin's back, Father, with manifestation of healing, hallelujah, along his spine, his vertebrae, his lower back muscles, Father, hallelujah, um, his center of gravity. We speak to that right now, Father, hallelujah, um, the alignment of his back, um, his spine and his hips is not correct. If there's any rupturing in the disc, Father, or any um, injury or bone chips, Father, along the vertebrae, we thank and praise you, Father, for healing his body right now. We just praise you, thank you, Father, for this. We just continue to praise you once again for giving us safe traveling mercies home, and we just thank you and give you the glory, honor, and praise for these things. Oh, well, remember Avery as well, Father, touch him from the top of his head and soles of his feet 
And we just thank and praise your Father for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus.